0: Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this, Mass Movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, Mass Movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Hello boys and girls and welcome to episode 13 of Geekorama. We've got some books to talk about, uh, some tunes to play on this Engineer Records special and we're going to finish this episode with an interview with my old mate uh, an Engineer Records and Earth Island Books head honcho, David Gamage. So let's begin, shall we? Right. So the second series of David Das Maelschen's uh, incredible Camp Crowley Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter has just been released on by... Dark Horse. Um, it's going under the sort of general linking title of The Monster Maker. Um, <laughs> anyway, as long time listeners of the show, long time readers of Mass Movement know, I love the first series of this book. Uh, I thought Das Mailchen's stories were just, it was just a wonderful look at, at at a retro world that it doesn't exist anymore like so the so the, the 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 horror hosts and, and, the, and the, the sort of cheap productions of um, TV stations all over America where they just played monster movies it was a wonderful little snapshot of what that was um and, and at a time when I guess those was in the uk wish we'd been able to sample and wish we'd been able to be a part of but you know we couldn't um it was just a great series, uh, you know, about a journalist who was forced to take a job as a, as a as a horror host, only to find out the monsters are actually real. And this second series is off to a furiously good start. It's picking up exactly where the first book left off. It's all about conspiracies, um, Jerry attending AA meetings and trying to find herself and trying to find some purpose without booze, zombies, vampires, and werewolves. Oh my! Uh, and and Lewis Kettner and you know Lauren Affy's art and colour work, just bring this wonderfully retro book to gorgeously detailed life. Um, And, you know, I said it before and I am going to say it again, this is one of the best books of the last five years. Um, And, you know, you just, it makes me furious that someone like Das Melschen is not only a wonderful actor, you know, (laughs) taking central roles in some of our favourite films like Dune and The Suicide Squad, but can write a book that just makes you think that's full of character characters you recognize immediately that you can relate to and situations and stories that make you smile and laugh one, one minute and then just like <gasps> gasping gasping for breath with shock the next it's yeah it's like i said it's one of the best books of the last five years um and if you're a monster kid, a horror hound, or a four-color four, four fanatic, you're going to absolutely adore this book. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, the second series of Count Crowley, How Much a Midnight Monster Hunter. It's um, out on Dark Horse. It was published by Dark Horse right now. Uh, yeah. Do it. Get it. Uh, you know it makes sense? It's written by Das Melschen, with artwork by Lewis Kettner and Lauren Affey. It's, yeah, it's bloody incredible. So, on that note um let's have a track shall we all right so this is as i mentioned earlier we're going for an engineer record special today so we're going to have a track by the atlantic union project um so take it away chaps and let's see what you got That was the that was the Atlantic Union project with the actuary. Damn, I was kind of yeah, that kind of blew me away. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting, but yeah, it was really really cool. As I said, it's out on Engineer Records now. That's the Atlantic Union project and the track and the single is called the Actuary. Right, moving swiftly on. So Moonlight, the Midnight Mission. Um, I've heard lots of great things about Jed McKay's run on on Moon Knight, and I can now happily confirm that everything I heard. It Was absolutely true. This book is just incredible. Um, so, so, McKay sort of presents Mark Spectre as, as a man of devotion and faith whose mission to those who've chosen to protect outweighs his allusions to Con Shu, who is now like a fallen god. Um, yeah, there's monsters, there's things that go bump in the night, and an unwanted ally who's trying to lure Mark Spectre Moonlight back into the fold. And it's it's sublime storytelling. It's, it's the story of a man on the edge who is once again, trying to justify his position as, as the fist of con shoe and trying to find his own place in the world by making it safer for other people. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Alexander, uh, Alessandro Capuccio and Ra- 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 Rachel Rosenberg's art and colors are dripping in detail and sort of noir infused power, which really brings this, this, this book to life. Um, but what sells it for me is McKay's take on Mark Spector. Um and Moon Knight and, and and Mr. Knight as he becomes in this book as a protector of those who need his help, the travellers in the night. Um it's just yeah. This is the character Moon Knight should always have been. Um and Jed McKay has a take on him which really, really works. Uh and yeah, I yeah. So I mean I've been reading Moon Knight since 1983 and this is definitely one of the highlights of my 40 year fandom. McKay seems to have nailed the character from the off and he seems to understand Mark Spector in a way that few other writers do. Um, just, just get it, just get the book. If if you, if you're digging the current Disney plus series, you're going to love this story. And, and you know, you can dive headlong into it without having to worry about knowing anything more about the mythology, history and canon of the character. It's, it's literally a, let's just dive head first in this book and go. Um, and you will be sorry that you did. It's published by Marvel, and that's Moon Knight, uh, the Midnight Mission. It just Yeah, just, just grab it now. It's absolutely incredible. Right, so let's have another track, shall we? Right, this is Next Cars on Running Man. And as I said before, because it's an engineer special, they are on Guess Which Record label. Da da That's right, folks, engineer records. So this is Next Cars. The track's called Running Man. Let's get down, and let's get with it. That was Next Cars with a track called "The Running Man." It's out on Engineer Records now. Uh, yeah, so just go hit their band camp, check out Next Cars, and I'm sure you'll find the track, and I'm sure you'll find the record that it's on. Right, so let's talk about the Dream Team of Jeff Lemire and Jock and their new book, Snow Angels. Uh, the first volume of the trade has been released and published by Dark Horse now. Um, and wow, yeah, this is proper Dream Team stuff. Uh, it's a, like a dystopian science fiction epic um that's set in a nice blasted future that could be earth now or it could be earth in the distant past or it could be earth in the far future it might not even be set on earth it's 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 a book that's mired in in secrets and gods and creators and a reality in which nothing is ever really what it seems to be it's it feels like an apocalyptic tale that's set in the far future but i wouldn't put it past the to throw the kind of spin where you know this is our past. this is where we came from. This is Earth during the ice age when so- when society is collapsed and it's starting to rise again um and I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them to to set it on some far distant world set in some in some far distant galaxy. Um, Lamayas storytelling is as as you know, folks it's, it's just incredible it's it's out there like like Pluto. It's just incredible. Uh, the characterization is wonderful the 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 plot. As it stands, it just pulls you straight in from the first panel. And Jock's artwork is just... My goodness. I can't... Yeah. Beautifully detailed. Uh, it just feels cold and frozen. And, and it has a, a, a stark sense of, you know, snowbound emotion, I guess. You know, I, I it's ice cold in places and beautifully warm in others. And just reflects the plight of the main characters. Um yeah so that's snow angels um the features are an incredible <laughs> um the least likely heroes you're ever gonna stumble across this year probably but you know wow it's this is wonderful storytelling the fact that you know uh a dude who's rapidly approaching his half century can root for and believe in the heroes of this book yeah that that says it, that just tells you everything you need to know about the power of Jeff Lemire's storytelling and Jock's artwork. So, let's have another song, shall we? I think so. Uh, again, we're going to go back to Engineer. So who are we going to have this time, you may ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. If we're going to have, and we're going to listen to, Come the Spring. The track is called Better Days, and it is out on Engineer now. Sorry about that folks, the track is actually called Better Now, not Better Days. That's me thinking about old punk rock tracks rather than new punk rock tracks. Um yeah, that's Come the Spring with Better Now. It's out on Engineer Records as we speak, or as I speak, and as you listen. Um so yeah, head to the Bandcamp. That's Engineer Records Bandcamp. Check out Come the Spring and pick up the track. So let's move on, shall we, to another book. Um, I guess nothing lasts forever, even in, in the comics universe. Um and one of the most highly anticipated storylines of the last twelve months in the in Marvelland has uh, come to an end. So we're talking about the death of Doctor Strange, and the trade has just been released of it now. Uh, trade book, well, or graphic novel, as, as some other people call it, um, and it's a beautifully told tale of the least likely murderer in the Marvel universe, and a victim who managed to solve his own, solve his own homicide via a wonderfully inventive plot twist. Um look it, it's again this is Jed McKay writing and um he's fast becoming another one of my favourite writers. It's a heartbreaking and wistful exploration of the roads that you should travel but you never get to because fate and time stand in your way. Um and yeah it just McKay's Mastered this this weird wonderful art of arcane and magical storytelling where he humanizes the heavy hitters in the marvel universe and makes them feel like they're the guys you sit next to and share a beer with who talk to you about their life story and then you know you know you share your problems with them they share their problems with you over a beer and and Two bourbons, and yeah, and that's exactly what this book feels like. If I mean, yes, yeah, sure, it's drenched in action, and it's drenched in like wonderfully weird s- plots about world-ending possibilities and, and magic being thrust to its absolute limit, and and everything, and reality about to collapse. But at the same time, it's an incredibly intimate story of a man who has come to terms with his own mortality and his own place in the universe. Um, and it, it's, yeah. Lee Garrett, uh, Antonio Favel and everybody else, you know, the, their artwork just, it just brings the sort of the past, the present, and the future into the one massive boiling pot of a book and makes it work. Brings, it, um, brings McKay's vision to life. And it is just, again, one of those books that I am completely blown away by and completely sold on um i would say we'll, we'll miss you Stephen, but we all know that death is a minor inconvenience in the comics world at best um and unless you're Marvel or uncle ben it's never permanent so i guess we'll be seeing doctor strange somewhere down the line but for now steven we are going to miss you um and dudes you you guys you just got to read this book because it is just fantastic right so more music more music more music that's what we need we need more music so sticking again and with engineer records let's go with a band called sleeve the track is called drinking head to and um, yeah it's what we all feel like doing and it's definitely what i like to do when i got a moment or two um so yeah this is sleeve and the track is called Drinking. ever wondered what a vampire who's bored with eternity and eternal life does to pass the time, then you don't have to wonder anymore, because thanks to Chip Zdarsky, Jason Liu, and their new book called The All-Nighter, which has just been published by Dark Horse, the answer has presented itself. A vampire bored with eternal life spends it wisely and becomes a costume crime fighter, but at the same time runs the risk of exposing his own people and his own kind to the mainstream, well, to the public, to all... Uh, to Everybody else, and you know, informing us the vamp letting us know the vampires are in fact real and they're not just a myth that's hidden um, somewhere in the past and brought to life by scared old ladies and children. Um, it's a taut, pulp fried story that's involving, fast moving, and it's built on a foundation of sort of wonderful characterization and vivid, brilliant art. It's it feels like to me a sort of 50s era story um, that's been dragged, kicking and screaming in the 21st century and giving it an incredible new lease of life it's a book that really works it's a story that really works and it's just yeah it's Chip Zdarsky doing what Chips Zdarsky does best spinning one of these yarns that drags you straight in and goes ta-da bet you never thought of this did you and you know what Chip I never did no I didn't but I'm glad that you did and I'm glad I got a chance to read it because it's incredible um yeah that's the all-nighter it's written by chips Darsky without by jason Liu, and it's published by dark horse and if you know what's good for you you'll make a beeline for your local comic book shop and you'll put your order in for it now add it to your pull list because this book has got legs and it is going to run and run and run right then let's have another track shall we um i think maybe we should go out on a high note Track wise, at least, and this is so we're going to go back to the band we started the show with, the Atlantic Union. And this track is called Trustworthy, it's out on Engineer Records now. So pop along to their band camp and pick it up if you like it. If you don't, you've lost a couple of minutes of your life listening to a song that could have been your favorite, but really, what your new favorite band. But my new favourite band, but really wasn't, so you got nothing to lose. Listen to the track. If you dig it, go to band camp. If you don't, eh, it don't matter, it's all good. Anyway, this is the Atlantic Union project, and the song is called Trustworthy yeah. So let's talk about the last book for this episode that we've, uh, well, that I've prepped for you. Um, It's called Butts and Seats. It's the Tony Schiavone story, or Tony Schiavone story. Um, Tony Tony Schiavone, however you want to pronounce it, it's always Tony Schiavone to me. Um, It's by Dirk Manning, Tony himself, and a few more people. Um, And if you don't know who Tony Schiavone is, well, I guess you're just not as big a wrestling geek as I am, or. My erstwhile partner in podcasting, who's not here at the moment, Chris is. Um, Tony Schiavone is literally one of the biggest names in wrestling commentary um, of the last half of the well, the last 50 years, I guess. Um, and this is a warm, inviting, very personal, very friendly graphical biography of the man who was there for the rise of the WWF and WWE uh, and WCW and the gradual collapse of Turner's empire during the Monday night wars. Um, And he tells it without, you know, sort of dwelling on who was responsible or what was responsible. It's just, he just tells the story of what happened through as he saw it. And it is just wonderful. You know, I I can't think of another word to describe it. It's a proper page turner of a book. Tony shivani is one of those guys who you just you know you you just want to hang out with. You just want to spend time around because his passion for wrestling is just incredible. And even when it wanes after the, the collapse of WCW, he you know he's going to go back to because you know how the story ends for him. But it's him telling you how he makes that journey, how he gets from A to B to C to D, back to A back to WWE and then on to AEW, that's what makes this story great. Um, and nobody spins a yarn like this dude. He, he's got the art down to a fine form. He really does. Uh, the art is just jaw-droppingly good. I mean, you know, it's... It, it feels like... Um, you know, like the old classic Archie books? The artwork has that kind of feel. Uh, if if Archie was drawn by someone by the by the Mad Magazine team, it's just yeah, it's just brilliant. It's and when you see Ric Flair <laughs> brought to life in this book, it will make you wet yourself laughing because yeah, he he's just a he's the larger life larger life character that Ric Flair always has been and always will be. Um. And for wrestling fans, it offers a glorious peek behind the curtain, uh, you know, at the reality of the business uh, and the, uh, the through some stories that are based on good-natured ribbing and you know, wonderful, incredible excess. Um, yeah, it's just if you're a wrestling fan, you have to read this book. You really do because it's just it'll confirm everything you ever thought about tony shivani that he is just one of life's good guys you know and that he should be where he is that's so that's yeah if you love the if you love the squared circle and you love bust out will move off the turnbuckle that's butts on seats the tony shivani story it's published by source point press and it is in your local comic book shop now so go grab it get down with it and enjoy it right and as promised in the beginning folks we're going to finish this episode with an interview with one of my, uh, <laughs> one, one of my favorite people in the world, David Gamage, who runs engineer records and earth Island books. Uh, I've known David for, for more than 20 years. He's, he's, a, he's, uh, he's another of life's good guys. Um, and he just believes in the underground. He believes in DIY culture. He believes in the underdog. He believes in great music, great literature, and bringing both to everybody he can. So this is what David's got to say. And when you finish listening to listening to him talk, pop along to either uh, uh, Engineer Records Bandcamp or uk and pick up everything he's published and all the records you can and support one of the scenes greatest underdogs and you know one of the luminaries and one of you know my favorite people and i'm sure after you've heard him speak he'll be one of your favorite people too anyway that's enough from me so i'll say to Tar folks and we'll play you out with this interview with mr gamage himself uh so listen to what he's got to say and i'll catch you next time on the flip-flop bye-bye
1: there he is Hey! <laughs> how are you, buddy? Oh, all
0: right, man, how are you?
1: Good man, good man. Right, I'm in a little bit of a state because I've been working like a mofo all day. Right. And, uh, I'm trying to get a magazine off for the printers today, and I started about eight o'clock this morning, and I haven't finished yet. I've just been proofreading it, I've just sent off my notes to the uh, editors and designer. All oh, right, I'm going to have a quick break now. Gonna have
0: a chat with my mate too. <laughs> How are you doing, bud?
1: I've been talking crap all day, and now I'm going to talk some more crap to
0: you. Well, that's it. <laughs> so then, oh, sunshine. So then, sunshine. What's your geekiest pleasure in life?
1: Oh, mate, I've got so many geeky pleasures. I'm the biggest nerd you might have the misfortune to meet. My oh, mate. I don't know. You're
0: talking. You're talking <laughs> to me, brother. You know.
1: Um, my geekiest. But I don't know. I. I've always been into, uh, you know, fantasy and sci-fi and role-playing. Right. And I, I, I don't just mean the comics and the books. I mean everything. I mean the D&D, Tunnels and Trolls role-playing, uh, even, even like live role-playing where you dress up and whack each other with... Oh, laughing You're a, you a laugher, yeah. LARPing,
0: that's it, <laughs> LARPing. There's, um, there's
1: a, there's a There's a place near here called Chislehurst Caves in South London. Right, and it's this massive, this massive network of caves there, and there's a bunch of guys that they call themselves Labyrinths, right? And they run this cool larping session. I must admit, I'm not been for a while, I'm not that's fine. But um, we used to go up there quite often, and like a whole bunch of us, like you know, ten or twelve of us would go up together, and a whole party would just charge around these caves <laughs> for the entire day, beating each other up, mate. It was so much fun. It was because we do that. We go up the woods and do that kind of geeky shit. You know, it, I'll be honest, early on, it didn't
0: involve any girls. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, the, the female form was a mystery to me until I was 14, <laughs> simply because, <laughs> you know, Dungeons & Dragons.
1: Exactly. But there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I've got two boys, as you know, and both yeah. of my boys are really into that kind of stuff. One of the older one, Carlito, he's, he's like, an actor, and he Mm. really wants to do this, you know, Witcher and all these kind of films. And the younger one, Jake, is inside now. Most of this weekend, he's been making me play Bard Song with him. Right. in this new Bard Song game. It's like a a um, D&D meets kind of Dark Souls board game. Right. It's like a role-playing board game. It co- you know all the Citadel miniatures? All right? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It comes with hundreds of those. So, um, you know, he, get, he gets his massive board out, and there's all these cards, and then he lays it, you know, you get all these miniatures out, that you have to, you have to um, battle and stuff. So anyway, it was his birthday last week, and I've got it on pre-order from Steamforge Games, um, and I've been waiting months for it to arrive. But right. it like arrived, luckily, just before his birthday. Uh, he was out of school, so he didn't know. So I wrapped it up along with a few other things. And it was, it, honestly, it's by fact, he's a bit spoiled. I told him he was only getting cleaning products. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got me sus because he knows. He's like, Dad, you like playing with these things more than I do. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> they're, they're presents for me, really.
0: Well, it's, isn't it? it's someone you can share your, your passion with, like, so...
1: Oh, mate I I, I I love all that I mean I can bore you for hours about punk rock music and uh, you know alternative literature and all that but get me started on all this nerdy all this <laughs> nerdy uh, <coughs> play and comics then, then again i can chat for hours on that mate i, I uh, what i mean what do you want what do you want to talk about i mean I know you're into all this stuff too
0: well the thing, it's, it's, it's it's all about you and it but so what, what's your favorite comic of all time your number one comic?
1: I'm a big 2000 AD fan.
0: Right.
1: I mean, I was always in a Judge Dread. I always liked Slane. I always had a place for Slane in my heart, which is why mm-hmm. I'm so into Conan the Barbarian and that kind of stuff. Um, you know. But I think I think 2000 AD early on, um, and then a bit later I got really into Batman. I mean, I mean um, late sort of 80s, late 80s, Yeah, 90s, so, so it's and like something.
0: the Fra- Frank Miller turning point with the Dark Knight. Yeah. Exactly, yeah,
1: the exactly. The turns, Frank yeah. Miller, Year One, Dark Knight. Yeah. I've got all those, I've got all those first edition. I've got uh, Neil Gaiman's, you know, um, Arkham Asylum. In fact, actually, you probably can't see, but <laughs> I'll just lift it up because it's sitting here in my office. Here. That's the Arkham Asylum print.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you see that?
1: Yeah. That's the original print that came out and I've got a load of them. I've got the, um, I've got some hand drawn pieces of art by a few people from the comic cons and stuff like that. And I've got loads of Batman. art. I was a total Batman DC. I'm a real DC nerd and I'm much, much more into DC than Marvel. (laughs) I know. I know. It's an argument. (laughs) I have with my my lads as well, Tim. They're big Disney Marvel buffs. And I'm like, no, DC, Batman's the best probably followed by daredevil you know i just i just find that stuff i'm gonna say believable
0: right so you 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 like more like street level heroes and sort of you know gadgets and yeah the the duality of man being put yeah
1: exactly rather than a superpower yeah it's like a guy who gets pissed off and then takes it into his own hands (laughs) you know and I, I
0: can empathise with that. I'm like, well, yeah, it's the wishful fulfilment of every middle aged man, though, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're all in exactly. that yeah, position. Yeah.
1: I'm probably a bit old to exit out now, but mate, every time there's so many chairs around here, every time I go out, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm wishing to be Batman-style vengeance,
0: <laughs> 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 gearing up for it, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, so the favorite favorite game then.
1: Uh do you know what? Again, I was always into um, you know, like your sort of risk and uh, cold it's and type stuff like that. And there's a there's a there's a popular game called Ticket to Ride that I've been playing recently, which is really simple. The the, next, oh.
0: the the train one, uh, the train Ameri- one. yeah, yeah, South America, like conquering the conquering the new frontier in the Wild West with like, yes, and of train lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. but
1: there's. Well, there's, there's loads of them. There's about 10, actually, now, and I respect mm. the European one. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, really into Talisman. Oh, um, but,
0: yeah, who isn't? Everyone of a certain age loves Talisman because yeah. it was the first proper fantasy board game after Dungeon that we actually had, like, you, you know? You yeah.
1: Get. And that's on about his fifth or sixth incarnation now, mm. and there's about seven or eight expansions. I've got all the expansions. Yeah. So we built a um, we built a, like a games room at the back of my house, it's got a massive tabletop, and it's got all the talismans and Dark Souls. Um, like I say, the, the new Conan games, the new Lord of the Rings games. But probably my probably my favourite at the minute, uh, and I'll tell you for why, it's because you're all on the same side. Co- it's kind of a, co- a cooperative. Yeah, a cooperative
0: gaming, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's, it's the Horizon Zero Dawn games. Okay. Have you, you ever seen? Yeah, see, yeah, it's yeah. A computer game. So you can play as Aloy, you know, like the Nora Brave, or you can play as any one of the of the of the factions, basically in the Horizon world. And you have to go effectively hunting these robot machines, but you have to work together to get through these different levels and and take them out without anyone in your party being killed. Um, and it's just cool. It's just cool fun. I mean, you can play a game of Horizon in like maybe two hours or something like that, two or three hours. If you're getting. Like, I've played a game of Dark Souls, a bunch of us. took us three days.
0: Yeah, but that's the that's beauty of gaming. Once you get into it, it doesn't have to stop, it doesn't have to end. You can just go on and on and on. It,
1: Tim, it doesn't if, if you live in a world of nerddom like, like,
0: like we like do. I
1: do. Yeah. Or <laughs> would like to. Yeah. But, um. No, I think I think Horizon's probably my favourite board game at the minute. Um, you know, I, I don't really have much time for computer games at the minute because I'm kind of busy with the record label and the no. and the books publishing and all that. So if I ever get a chance for that, I kind of like um, Elder Scrolls or There's a good one called Dishonored uh, that I completed recently. But um, no, it's, it's more it's more if I get chance to chill and do nothing, then it's probably going to be a board game at the minute. You know, I just think I just think that's kind of nice to all sit around a table, you know, four or five of you, and just play a game and have a few beers or whatever. It's just fun.
0: So, what about books? Your favorite book?
1: So many. Oh, obviously the Tolkien, obviously Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. But I have to say, but it's. It's not the easiest book to. The Hobbit is an easier read than, than the Lord of the Rings. But I was, I'm always been a fan of Terry Brooks. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Stephen Donaldson, David Gemmell, David Eddings. You know anything like that? And obviously the you know um, the,
0: the Conan books and stuff See, like that. that. That's me. I am I'm a massive Robert e. Howard fan and I'm, I'm Michael Moorcock, rather than like the, the the big traditional fantasy authors, the guys who are straight to the point and just went half a leather yeah. with their heroes because Conan and Solomon Kane are two of the greatest fantasy heroes ever written I mean I know Solomon Cain is more of a middle Ages sort of pulp adventure adventure but he has that sort of the same feel as Conan in the you know he will take on the world I
1: haven't you so plain... know what I've watched I haven't read the Solomon Kane books I've, oh, I've watched dude. a movie yeah I know and it and I'm a massive fan of the Conan books also, the later ones too. But yeah. I, I recently bought myself um, the anniversary edition, like the leather-bound complete edition of everything that Robert e. Howard wrote.
0: Right, and then it's, Rob, um, there's Richard Jordan. Is it Richard Robert Jordan? Isn't it.
1: Rob and um, was it Jordan. Sprague the de Camp, Dean yeah. Carter? There were a few others who wrote some Conan books too. But the uh, but the main ones and the early ones are all in this leather-bound uh, volume, which I've I've got but not, get off, Jack, I've got, but one of my cats is mugging me. But I haven't actually read it yet. I mean, I read all the old paperbacks, right, you know, right. back in the day with the cool old artwork, but I probably read them, I don't know, certainly 30 years ago. You know, maybe,
0: maybe... We're we'll starting a short more. age here, so we won't, we, won't start, <laughs> we won't start talking about decades and, and that kind of stuff, but it's going to be...
1: Exactly. It was a long time. They were mm. written in like runes they were carved in stone yeah. so long ago well were...
0: that, that's it you know we, we were part of the hyperborean age when conan you know we, we could wave to go past kind of thing yeah we we, we,
1: we took what we wanted <laughs>
0: so uh, when did the label begin um engineer
1: records um the record label began what in 99 mm. 1999 um we started out actually. We were called Ignition Records when we started, um, and I'd been I'd been I'd put a few records out before that, just like one-offs. And I'd been working for a uh, with a German record label called Scene Police. Mm-hmm. I was one of three people working on that. So I'd done that for a few years before, but I wanted to start my own thing because I wanted to release some stuff. Most of what I wanted to release, those guys were into as well, but I wanted to release some other stuff too, you know, do my own thing. So. Yeah, so Engineer started in '99. Um, Around 2001, it became Engineer. It changed its name from Ignition to Engineer. Mm. But all the catalog numbers of Engineer records start IGN, uh, and that's why because it's right because it's
0: original ignition. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're actually on. We're just about to to press IGN 340. So, in about twenty odd years, we've done about 340 releases. And, um, yeah, it's going, it's going, I say it's going strong. It is going strong. It's a, it's a passion. Yeah. You couldn't live off it. As much as everyone thinks, oh, you run a record label, you know, that's what you, you lucky bastard, that's what you do. Nah, I wish.
0: Yeah, but there's, there's, no, there's no money in physical releases anymore.
1: Not really. Not really. They're, when bands were touring a lot hmm. and you had a band that was really active, and, and we do have some great active bands, and we did have two before before the, the hell that has been COVID, um, then we could make money. But what has to happen, it's a punk rock label, it's a properly, truly independent underground label. So one record, you have to sell it to make the money back to pay for the next record. And that is literally how it goes. So although we've produced maybe 10, some years, 15 records a year, but every year at least 10 records we pay out a year, that's that's because we've spent so long building up a network of other independent labels, so we'll trade a lot of releases, and then we'll sell them, you know, at shows in a distro or we'll do little deals and stuff like that. And and when we started out, it would be you know a thousand copies on vinyl, or, or then later a thousand copies on CD of everything. Well, that that ain't the case now. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the last two, the last two. Um, Vinyl records we've done; there were only three hundred copies of each. Um, about the last ten CDs we've done, there's been less than five hundred copies of each. Um, but all of them have, have done tens of thousands. Some of them, hundreds of thousands of streams on on shit like Spotify and things like that.
0: Yeah, you you're not getting paid it's for working. Spotify, though. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's Spotify is, is a negligible amount per stream, so you'd, you'd have to pl- you'd have to have the millions of streams to you know. Get a takeaway. Oh, well, even
1: t- t- m- millions. I mean, I've got you know, you can have a hundred thousand streams and that will be like 45p. Yeah, it is utterly ridiculous, mate. It's utterly ridiculous. It's, it's slightly different if you go if things like uh, Amazon, you know, Apple, iTunes, it's like if you get a download mm. that's worth maybe one pound 20 for the album. Yeah, so if you get a few downloads, it's okay, but. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. You know, bands have paid for their equipment, paid for their petrol, paid to record, we've paid to put it out. You ain't going to make money digitally. And, and I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it because, in, in a way, it's nice that people can stick on a Spotify playlist and hear our bands. And that's cool, you know. But it's never going to pay for that band. The only thing that's ever going to pay for a band is, is when the band get out and go on tour and play gigs. So for the last two years, that has sucked. And we've had to concentrate on this digital stuff and videos, and 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 we've got accounts at the post office and stuff like that. Obviously, because we'll take like literally like, a couple of bin bags of records and books every day up to the post office, you know, to mail them out. And we kind of single-handedly keep our post office in uh, in business. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that, and and I tell you what, while I'm whining about it, like the old luddite, I <laughs> since um. Since Brexit and all that stuff, the number, anything we send abroad, it's kind of a 50-50. Is it going to get there or not? Are, are the poor bastards going to get charged for customs? I mean, honestly, I've got over there, all, all this here is records, and over there is a stack of returns that I've got a photograph and sent to the guy and go, look, what do you want me to do? you want me to send it again? I usually just send them again at my expense, but frankly, I could do without it. It's, yeah, it's... The,
0: the thing is, the postage has become, like, since Brexit, postage has become so expensive to send anything anywhere. That It's, it's a joke. I mean, like, a, a single book costs like 20 quid to send to America.
1: Tell me about it, mate. Tell me about it. I mean, we. So I sent a bunch of. Um it's all right with cds hmm. you know if someone orders five or ten cds it's not really a problem but when it comes to vinyl like i had a guy order six six albums the other day in germany okay and you think i'm oh, no big deal it's like 30 quid to get into you know we, we try and sell most of our stuff as cheap as we can but the postage is usually as much as yeah. the records or the books um and like i say the records are the records are great we've got Coming up, we've got some great... We've got the Bear Away album coming up, and they're brilliant. Um, you know, we've got the Atlantic Union Project record coming up, which obviously I'm quite pleased with. <laughs> we've got um, we've got a little single for it. <laughs> I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> I just, I just I remind myself occasionally that I can do the odd creative things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm quite pleased with that. We've got this cool little American band called the Dreaded Laramie who are like the total geeks total so of like um, college nerds, right? And it just their music reminds me of like um, John Hughes films. Do you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just like um, bouncy
0: and sort of effervescent, and then, yeah. yeah.
1: And I like that a lot. So we've got a new single coming out for them, and and what I've done, what I've I've always I've always done this with Engineer Records, but what we've done a lot more of recently is worked with worked on co-releases with other labels in different areas now. Right. So we try and if we've got something coming out, we'll try and find an American partner or maybe a Far East partner. And even now because of shipping and customs, even other European partners. So of the last like 20 records we've done, certainly all through COVID, about half of them have been co-label releases. And in that in that punk rock style, some of them have got like five or six labels on you know and that way you you get like you get like maybe 20 or 30 albums each
0: if you split the cost as well across the board so it works out to be financially more astute anyway
1: mate it's brilliant it's brilliant You, you you split the costs of producing it but you but you massively increase the pr and the promotion and the distribution so you know we always give the bands a bunch of copies And then the rest of them, you try and just make your money back or whatever, you know. But if you've got other people, manufacturing the record or book or whatever is, yeah, there's a cost and it takes a bit of time and effort. But that's only half the battle. It's promoting it and then distributing it and getting PR and reviews and doing things with it. That actually takes longer and and it can cost more. It depends how you do it, but it can cost more. If you just chuck money at every opportunity, you know, ran loads of ads and did all the social media bullshit, you could spend a fortune. You could spend three times what you spend on the record. So you've got to be a bit not thrifty, but just a bit wise at how you do it. I like to do it with partnerships wherever I can. You know, mm. like say trading stock, finding partners. I've I. Set sway by the underground. Like I like fanzines, you know. I mean, if I can, if I can do a deal with a fanzine and send them ten records for a little ad, you know, or twenty quid here or thirty quid here, that works out better for me. I can have ten ads rather than one in one magazine. Yeah. So you know, I, I try and pick them like that. If there's something going on, like if if back when Rock Sound did their cover mount CDs and things like or oh, Cere. That would be worth spending two or three hundred quid on getting on that. But anything short of that, you're better off with fanzines, frankly. So uh, that's what I've been doing. Trying to find a, a balance between trusted reviewers and, um, you know, and finding new people, because there's always new people out there. That's the thing about the district stuff. No, fuck the new, fuck, new fuck, fuck the new people.
0: It's those old punks you've got to keep fucking you know, the fucking records, mate. <laughs> fuck the Can new I, people. got to
1: keep an eye on them old punks.
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, as Daudry, Daudry, that's
1: the right. Because you can just buy them a beer; they're usually all right.
0: So. As dodgy old bastards, like.
1: <laughs> have a beer, then you're at.
0: So let's um, let's some of this. let some of the publishing then. About the books. Well. Books. The book. Okay, the books
1: have been. So the, the record label's gone on for eight, like I say, yeah. like twenty years. The books is something that's come about in the last two years. Yeah. Um, I've always. I've always had a bit of a hankering to do it. I've always been into, because I am a nerd and I'm a bit of an OCD completist, like most record collectors and, 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 and geeks, I, I do like a book. I do like a tactile, physical thing. Yeah. And I think the idea started out from, uh, again, my love of old fanzines and comics and stuff. I quite like a, a compendium where they're all together, you know. Like I've got all the Walking Dead Compendiums. I've, I've got Charlie's War. You know, collections. I've got all these old twofer. I thought oh, you could do that with punk fanzines, and you could do that with punk books and stuff. And I've got, I've got your uh, first edition of Compression, the first one that came out, black with a bit of white print on it. Yeah, I got that way back when it came out. I thought, oh, punkers can write. Old punk rockers <laughs> can even write occasionally. <laughs> so uh, I just earth island books you know came together during lockdown mostly at the start of lockdown and we thought look we've got all these contacts in the design and printing and publishing world and we've got all these contacts in in what we love our passion all the punk and alternative music type world we should put the two together so i can take all my kind of business contacts and make use of them to 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 get more coverage for the punk rockers and that's exactly what i've done so i've Everyone I spoke to about it, which actually wasn't many people, because I, I tend to make my own decisions. <laughs> but but everyone I spoke to about it went, "You're you're mad, you're mad. You know, you you think you lose money on records, you'll lose even more on books." And I think they could have been right. But what what people don't realise is the passion people have got for for what we're into. You know, what the medium is the message, and and the the personal is the political and all this stuff, all this good punk underground stuff, you know. If I do, if I talk to you about a book or Ian Glasper about yeah. a book or Alex, you know, and his new book or any, uh, Roy or any of you guys, there's something beyond just that book. And there, and there's a fan base there and a bunch of people who really want that and are, and are willing to get it. So that's kind of cool. You, you don't have to sell thousands and thousands to make money. You just have to sell maybe a couple of hundred to make your money back. Um, luckily for me, I can do some deals to make it worthwhile. And, and that's what I've been doing. That's why I'm more about quality. So if, we, so if we're talking about Earth Island books, so I've got a couple of yours, Tim. You know, we've got, obviously, Compression we launched with, a, a, re, a reprint of Compression. Brilliant novel. Bit, bit violent <laughs> <laughs> but brilliant novel. And then we've got the increasingly insane and insightful what would Gary Gyjax do you know, which is which came with its own set of cards and a mad game. We, and we've got obviously the, the mass movement, you know, your your own mass movement scene, which has gone on for years and years and been one of the fanzines that everyone really respects. We've got two massive compendiums of that as well which is fairly new and is still and is still rolling out. But we've got all that. Then, of course, we've got Ian Glasper. He's, he's done quite a few books, but they're almost all out of print now. Yeah. So his new book, um, you know, The Scene That Wouldn't Die, which is basically all about, I say contemporary punk bands, you know, it's punk bands since 2000. Uh, and I have to say, he's got 111 bands or something like that in there. I, I'd only heard of about half of them. Yeah, but okay, and
0: most I'm, people have only heard about half ian hears about everything he's like he's like he is literally like the the the, the, the scene it, hound he knows he's, everything
1: he's like a walking encyclopedia yeah. i mean i thought i was quite quite switched on with the half, certainly the half of scene maybe not the extreme punk but man I, I knew about half of them so i think i found that an interesting read and it was quite cool in the in that um all the bands in it wanted copies, and then anyone who was interested in it wanted copies. So in fairly quick... I mean, that came out probably about a year ago now. Mm. And in fairly quick process, we shifted about 2,000 copies, which for anything that is truly punk, you know, truly underground, that's pretty good going. Yeah. But there's certainly more copies than any he ever shifted with uh, Cherry Red. So I was quite pleased with that. And it's still going. You know, That's still going. So for Ian, we've just done his... Following in, in the footsteps of your mass movement yeah. compendiums, we've just done two terrorised uh, magazine compendiums of all his interviews. They've only, they're literally on pre-order now. They have just come out, and we're shipping it to you now. But um, they're going okay. Um, I think the big one's the one he's writing now. He's writing a book about the subhumans now. Yeah. Um, and the subhumans are... They're not everyone's cup of tea, but in America they are massive.
0: They're going to shift. They are going to shift because yeah, yeah. So because everybody who's a substitute yeah. fan is going to want to copy the book anyway, so it's just going to it's going to go so, exactly,
1: we, exactly. So we're so we I think we're trying to set up a deal. We actually print in the UK, but we've got print partners now in America and Australia right. to, for the same reason to save on the shipping costs and all that, and to supply the shops locally. Um, it's a bit awkward there, actually. I, I, I get hoisted by my own here, and I'll tell you for why. When we do something, as you know, we try and make it as good as it can be. Yeah. So when we put a book out, we tend to do a poster and a bookmark, and sometimes, you know, a pack of cards or something else cool. And the first, like, one or 200, we, we give all this extra free stuff with. Now, that's great when they order it from us here, but if they order it in America,
0: they're not yeah, it.
1: exactly that's a real problem now so i'm trying to save people um shipping money by ha- having it locally but if they order it locally they can only get the actual book um so you know you resolve one problem you create the next so it, it is it
0: is it is what it is though you know the left hand giveth the right hand taketh away like you know it's it's, it's
1: an ongoing, ongoing nightmare yeah. and and, and, and nothing more so, Tim, than, than, than this latest book. So so Alex uh, and Easy <laughs> Yeah. And, and I love him in the Biz. I love him in the bit But his first book, you know, Crossover, The Edge, all about hardcore metal and the crossover of hardcore metal. Great book. Like Rocking Horse Shit, The Fine Now, right? So he's written a new one, which for me is even better because it's about... He says it's
0: just 80s, but I would say it's 80s into the 90s. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's this late 80s, early 90s. It's like a document, yeah. coffee table. I mean, it is a coffee table book. And there's no two words about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's hefty. I'm going to get one.
0: Hang on. <laughs> okay, let me grab one. I've got one. Is it here?
1: You got one there?
0: I'm looking for it. It's around here somewhere because I've been diving in and out of it.
1: They're not. These are not small But Get out of the way, Cat.
0: It's close to a 1,000
1: pages. It is 880-something it is pages. It weighs about one and a half kilos. I mean, it, it's a big book. I mean, it ain't cheap to ship. We ship them out to stores, you know, boxes at a time, and depend depends what boxes we use, but you get maybe five to seven copies in a box.
0: Well, yeah, because so it's, we'll, it's like a small moon. The book is... It's, just, <laughs> it's got gravity. yeah. It just compresses everything around it and pulls it
1: all in. So we can be the new winds. Like I say, all so many of my favourite bands, you know, all big drill cars, seven yeah. seconds. Everyone's favourite bands, Dag Nasty, Minor Threat, Gorilla Biscuits, they're all in here, right? It took quite a while for Alex to put it together. And then, in honesty, it took a little while longer for us then to I'm going to say proofread rather than rewrite, yeah. but we had to get it. We had to get it in in a readable format, and then and then we waited for Brian Wallsby to do this amazing artwork. So this thing took a while to make. This this has been this has been in the making for some time. Now it's here. We're shipping out all over. And early on, I, I, because they're quite hefty. I had a couple sent back and I had a couple of people saying, look, mine's been stopped at customs and they want another seven quid or, or, or more in some cases for me to be able to get the book. And I'm like, well, this is a pain in the ass. I needed to get about 300 copies to Greece. And let me tell you, because you know, Alex has gone back there. Yeah. Greece is one of those places that is really awkward. To get things in without getting stopped by customs i think that's their only way of making money now there's no tourism in COVID, so they just stop all the posts um i think the germans and french just do it for fun because of brexit it pisses off but i think the greeks do it because they have to so anyway i found a greek transport company um barely, lovely lovely guy barely spoke a word of english but clearly had a way to get past customs <laughs> in his truck like buried <laughs> I put we put about 40, 45 boxes of these books under a load of like beer and mats and stuff like that, and he drove from 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 London effectively to Athens. It took him three days, and then went round four different record shops, you know, and um, um, punk rock shops, dropping them all off. And now Alex is going. I managed to get them to into Born Bad in France, Cortex in Germany, Radiation in Italy. Uh, Shield in Holland. We've got these four different so- Scarecrow, Lotus, 126 Clothing. You know, all these different stores, basically. So Alex is now going around doing like a little reading and a signing at each one. And every shop he goes to has got at least 30 or 40 copies of this book, which is no mean feat. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like nothing, but when, when the book's as big as your it's, head, uh, it's quite a thing. Anyway, I... For, for those of us that lived it and love all these bands, it's a, it's a very nice little thing to flick back through and enjoy. For those that are into hardcore now and pop-punk now, melodic, uh, post-punk or whatever you call it now, go back and read that. It's like it's like a pop-punk encyclopedia. It's like the Bible of, of the scene. It's, that is a good book. I... Um, you know, I'm 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 pretty pleased with it. I'm pretty pleased with all the books we've put out. I've got to say, I, I'm as pleased with the Earth Island books as I am with any engineer records. You know, they, they give me that same buzz feeling of doing something actually worthwhile.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, I think we'll have to call it there, Chief, because I'm nearly up to my Zoom limit.
1: Dude, I'm not, I can bore you stupid. Chief. Well,
0: I know you can, Bob. You know people I mean? will say that for another day on part two, like... <laughs>
1: I'd I'd much rather rather come and have a beer and a curry and talk about
0: it face to face we will do that again soon thank you mate well that was David Gamage uh, telling you all about Engineer Records and Earth Island Books so as I said after you've spoken to him after you've heard him speak rather um, he's going to be one of your favourite people right I'm pretty sure he is so pop along find out what Earth Island Books are all about and what Engineer Records is all about and i'll catch you next time so that was it hope you enjoyed geekarama episode 13 i'll see you for number 14 ah bye bye folks ta-ta